Welcome to Automotive Insiders, the podcast series presented by OESA, the Original Equipment Suppliers Association. You'll hear from automotive industry experts on the critical issues that are impacting the mobility landscape. Get actionable insights on how to thrive in Automotive 2.0. Now, here's your Automotive Insiders host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is Automotive Insiders presented by OESA. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. What an interesting year we have had. So many smart, savvy, inside information tip givers. We've had people talking about technologies in automotive. We've talked about getting out of the pandemic mode and into post-pandemic economy, which we're going to talk about today. I've met so many interesting people and a shout out at the end of the year. We are in December now. You'll see this in January 2021, but a shout out to Adam. Adam Slayman and April Buford and Julie Freem at OESA for, and we're on, I'm videoing right now and we have my special guest today, Bill Newman. What would we do without William Newman? We get to call him Bill. And Bill, we have to talk about your Irish cream recipe. So Bill, I don't want to read your bio. People have heard it so many times, but just in case there's one person out there, Bill Newman, who doesn't remember you, you know what I say? Tusk, tusk on them. Shame, shame. Why don't you refresh people and tell them a little bit about your your dynamic introduction to automotive through airplanes. Let's talk, start there, Bill. Go ahead. Sure. Hey, uh, thanks, Bonnie, again. And uh, thanks, Automotive Insider listeners and all of our friends at OESA. Uh, You're listening to this in the new year. So happy new year 2021 and uh, really delighted to um, kick off the new year with with friends here. And um, in my role at SAP, I'm the North America Uh, Chief Industry Executive Advisor. So it's a lot of words. What does that mean? I work with customers, primarily business stakeholders, to determine what they need, um, what their future growth plans are, what they need to run their business, and then uh, work inside of SAP to bring all of our really great, smart, talented, dedicated people um, to the foreground and doing that also through our partner ecosystem. Uh, I got started um, in manufacturing. I came out of UC. So thanks to the uh, UCLA alumni um, team for this uh, clever uh, holiday background graphic on Zoom. And uh, I was an airplane guy, aerospace engineer. So I started working originally uh, on the B-2 stealth bomber program, uh, the spirit bomber program. But I couldn't tell anybody what I worked on. If anybody asked, I had to say, what did you make? I said, I had to make a paycheck every week and keep going because we were all, you know, in uh, dark, dark top secret um, double, double, double secret probation clearance kind of stuff. Right. So, um, yeah, uh, business and, uh, family brought me to Michigan. I became a car guy and, uh, spent some time at Volkswagen, uh, as well as a number of, um, consulting firms, including my own, where Bonnie, you and I had the pleasure of first meeting as an Mm -hmm. investor to SAP before joining, uh, about uh, seven years ago. So right. great to be with everybody. And again, uh, Happy New Year 2021. Thank you, Bill. I have a question before we get started. Today is going to be predictions from you and I can't wait. But And you've been, you've been walking on the edge of predictions all year long with us, really. Once COVID started, it was when will it be? When will we yep. be able to? But Bill, question, I, you're talking about aerospace. I have to ask a silly question. 
why don't we call it auto space if we're talking about automotive aero well, space? Well, yeah, that's, that's a great question to ask. I mean, there's a lot of aerodynamics in the profile of vehicles, even the future vehicles that we're going to drive uh, or not drive, right? And um, now you're even getting into the space of broader transportation. So, you know, aerial taxis and things like that, you know, it, it really is becoming uh, quite ubiquitous. So, uh I mean, you know, you, you learn old skills and they never really go away. You just find different ways to use them. So uh, it's a great point And it really underscores the blending of industries as we look into the next decade. Thank you. You flatter me. <laughs> I appreciate that. It just dawned on me. We've been automotive. How about aer- aerospace? Autospace. We'll have to talk to Adam at OESA and, and Julie Freeman, see if they want to be the pioneers. I'll loan this to you. We can copyright it. So, Bill, as we approach 2021, and as you say, when people see this, it will be launched on January 6, 2021. But you and I are here talking at the end of December 2020, uh, a horrific year, a year of disruption, of upending, of challenges of unknowns. I think it's been a year of unknowns mostly. We don't know what we know until what I call the new reality has set in. People say the new normal, the new abnormal, the next normal. There is no normal. It's just reality. That's that's my word. So I'm going to read some notes you sent me before we got together here today, Bill, and let's get your comments. So first of all, you say, as we approach 2021 with a mixture of caution and hope, I'd like to flip that around and say hope and caution. I'm going to put that first. The post-pandemic economy is here. Bill, can you do a little bit of level setting for us before we get into the big predictions? Yeah, I mean, well, it's been quite a year, as you point out. We've talked about it on this show and others, you know, just the the extraordinary steps that the automotive industry and other industries have had to take in order to respond to uh, the COVID outbreak and the pandemic. We've had to shut um, automotive, um, many automotive facilities down for uh, nearly 10 weeks, about eight to 10 weeks. Uh, many of them opened, many closed again um, when outbreaks happened for cleaning and, and everybody had to learn to work from home. Um, the tech and the biomedical industries uh, have responded uh, in, in ways we couldn't have imagined uh, with, with, with great and fortitude and uh, enabled all of us as we look into 2021 to have, have a sense of hope that, that some form of reality will uh, return that will at least settle, right? So that uh, we can actually get vaccine, we can go out, we can begin to work uh, more in person together. Um, I do believe that in some cases, uh, working remotely will be the norm for a lot of people. Um, I think that has impacts on commercial real estate as well as just in general how we show up to meetings and build things. Um, but I also believe that, and we'll get into it a little bit. There's going to be some economic pressures, particularly um, as we start to uh, come into the back year when when um, when the economy is expected to really start to pick up. Um, you know, just because you get a, a vaccine doesn't mean that you're you know not immune. These vaccines have very high efficacy rates, but there's also a target. I think uh, the CDC, at least here in the U.S., has said you know about 75 percent um, uh, vaccine population. Uh, really needs to to uh, to be in in play, and it's going to be several months before we get to that. I know inside of SAP, we're already looking at 2021 being largely a virtual year. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, so many things that we've gotten used to are going to continue to move forward. But there is some there is some glimmer of what that next reality is going to look like for 2021. 
Thank you, Bill. Let's dive in now. Let's get specific. Mobility's second inflection point. Why don't you take us back to the first one? I know you have some research from McKinsey here, and then take us into what is the second point. Go ahead, Bill. Well, it's it's interesting. So McKinsey's, you know, we do some partnering work with McKinsey and McKinsey's, um, they've they've taken a a, kind of gone into the Wayback Machine and said, you know, where did really mobility start from? You have to literally go back to the horse and buggy days and and the cut over to the um, to the automotive, and then of course, you know, Henry Ford's uh, you know mass uh, mass assembly of of the automotive space, and that was really you know we made we made transportation. Uh, reasonably affordable to everyone. Um, it was largely uh, predictable. Um, it was, uh, you know, personalized as long as you, you know, liked black and you liked one model of T or A or whatever Henry Ford were buying. Um, McKinsey suggests that we're really at another uh, inflection point regarding mobility insofar as is that we're rethinking broadly and, and more uh, society, across society what mobility means. And it doesn't always mean like you and I, Bonnie, we like to own a vehicle. We like mm-hmm. to drive a vehicle. You know, we are definitely part of that segmentation that will continue to operate. Mm-hmm. What we drive and what we operate might look very differently, but there's a, a very large emerging sector that views transportation as a commodity. And as a commodity, they may not want to personally own a mode of transportation. So, you know, while we have hit a pause button during this pandemic and, and, and during um, COVID outbreaks in large scale for ride sharing, where, where the Ubers and Lyfts of the world have been delivering food and um, medicines and groceries and things of that nature, goods more than people, we will return to that. And, and I, I mentioned on this show, I'm also part of the Experiences Per Mile Advisory Council and our APM 2030 report understated that, you know, the uh, case connected autonomous shared electrified trends, they are long-term trends. They are not going away. So they will come back. And from McKinsey's point of view, they really view this as the second um, inflection point of, of mobility, uh, where we'll really look at, you know, product forms, fit and design for moving people and things from place to place. Thank you very much. Interesting, Bill. Let's move on to another prediction. The shift to electric is on. Enlighten me, please. Well, it's uh, it's been quite a year. Um, so the current, uh, so I'm speaking here in the United States. So from a North American mm-hmm. perspective, you know, we've had a, we've had a lot of emphasis back on um, uh, air quotes, clean coal and and power and utilities, and uh, I think we're going to. Um, we're going to revisit some of the assumptions that we made earlier in the year and last year uh, regarding whether or not the Environmental Protection Agency standards on vehicle emissions, um, should they be relaxed or should they uh, lean forward? And um, earlier this year, uh, Governor Gavin Newsom from California, which represents, oh, by the way, uh, the sixth or seventh largest global economy on its own, depending upon whose report you look at, um, he sent uh, an executive order banning the sale of light passenger vehicles that relied on the internal combustion engine or vehicles we put gasoline into by 2035. That is not that far away. So California is going to go to an all electric or all alternative fuel power fleet. And a number of the OE brands um, have opted out of the current administration's um, reduced EPA emissions. So they'll be joining, um, largely taking the the position of California, 
Um, it's interesting that this also manifested itself with, with General Motors and um, their um, intent to take the Cadillac brand, which is regarded as their top premier brand on their uh, global fleet. And they're going to an all-electric lineup. And what this meant was is that they had to, um, they had to basically come to terms with the Cadillac dealerships that many people thought were, were overpopulated in, in North America, at least. And, and offered nearly um, 200 uh, Cadillac dealerships a buyout. Uh, there was a requirement moving forward that they had to have, you know, you, you build and service an electric vehicle much differently um, than you do um, a, a gas powered vehicle. So they had to have new service bays and fueling stations and things like that. And a number of Cadillac dealerships just simply weren't gonna go there. And so GM, uh, you know, kind of called the, uh, the dealer fleet a little bit and um, got, everybody to buy into an all electric lineup. And that's just tip of the iceberg. You know, there's going to be so many other OE brands. We're already seeing it. Even some work with hydrogen powered fuel cell vehicles, um, particularly in class eight heavy truck vehicles. Um, their challenge of course is going to be, you know, how do you get from point A to point B on I-80 through America's heartland. But for those of us who are, you know, have been uh, driving up and down, you know, the Pacific coast or, in large swaths of the South, we've been able to find electric charging stations and, you know, um, battery electric vehicles. It, it's not a challenge to figure out how do I trip ticket my, um, my, my route from point A to point B anymore. Even a lot of hotels and, and grocery stores have, have fueling stations now. So it's, it's really the, the next big push. And, um, uh, we'll see what the next uh, U.S. administration does about extending um, electric vehicle credits, right? They're set to expire in the next year. Mm -hmm. uh, we'll see. Um, you know, but there's a lot of, there's a lot of change, uh, both, both in terms of macroeconomics and political economics that are really going to give uh, battery electric vehicles a big year going into 2021. Thank you, Bill. You still got some more horsepower in you. I have the three more predictions we want you to cover. We're, we're rolling. We're Let's rolling here. We're rolling on the highway here. It's empty too. Bill, let's talk about rideshare. You predict, uh, this is a bold one, rideshare will return. Talk to me. I think this is exciting for people who, I don't know if they're going to share their cars or if they don't want to use their cars or if they don't have a car. And rumor has it that the younger edge of millennials and whatever generation, we're running out of letters for generations now, they have no intention of getting a driver's license and owning a car. So rideshare will return. Is this good news or bad news? Well, I think it's good news overall, and let's expand the topic a little bit. I mean, we talked about, um, you know, how people, you know, the, the, the long-term trends for rideshare haven't gone away. So there's that. There's also the multi-purpose use of, of taking a vehicle to either move people or goods and repurposing it for other commercial means other than just simply transport. So there were some pretty huge reveals just in the last um, several months. So I'll point out to uh, robo taxi maker Zooks. Um, so if you're, it, it's a very, very, uh, very simple and, and, and if I can use the word pretty vehicle, um, it, it's, uh, there's, there's no steering mechanism. Um, it's, it's frontward facing, backward facing. You get in two, two and two front and back. Perfect for shuttles to and from uh, hotels. Um, you know, it's uh, because it's electrified, it has some of that uh, lateral crab walk steering capability, which many people find pretty cool, even at lower speeds. 
Um, there's battery electric vehicle uh, utility uh, maker Canoe. They had a reveal. Their whole thing is not only um, transport for, say, for example, um, UPS, FedEx carriers, postal service, but you know, they highlighted some of the retrofits that they can do. So you can make it a food truck, you can make it mm-hmm. an apparel station, you can make it and we've we've seen we've seen other partners in the ecosystem come up with these multi-purpose um, uh, utility and uh, and cargo vehicles that can be fitted for specific business purposes. So again, businesses can now be mobile, right? And so mm-hmm. it's not just getting people and goods from place to place. I can actually take my business and where I execute my business and take it from place to place, um, depending on demand. And then finally, I'll just, you know, echo that, um, you know, the, the work that uh, Amazon Vehicles is doing uh, with Rivian in terms of their electrified mm-hmm. uh, delivery fleet and Anheuser-Busch with Nikola Motors, uh, with the hydrogen fuel cell technology to haul America's finest beers around, uh, around <laughs> the country. Important for the holidays. Uh, but all of these things are going to significantly reduce carbon footprint. And I think will also resonate uh, very strongly with social buyers moving into the next decade. Speaking of social buyers, and thank you, Bill, how about 5G? That's one of everybody's favorite topics the past couple of years. And I know the phone companies are now saying, yes, it's here. You can have it. You can enjoy it. Uh, We don't need to go into a a term paper on 5G, but what does this mean for automotive, auto space? What do you think? Well, it's a couple things, um, and that's just the the tip of the surface. So, you know, obviously, for for those of us who have mobile devices, you know, it's it's a it's an important thing because I'll be able to get. I, I basically I have a bigger pipe for my data, right? And I can I can move much larger objects um, technically from place to place. What that also allows people to do in the car is to um, do a number of service-related activities uh, as well as streaming. Um, So you've got, you know, kind of the next wave of infotainment, particularly as we look at these vehicles being a bit more ubiquitous and mixed use. Um, Probably the biggest biggest impact to automotive won't be actually in the car. It'll be in the plant. And being able Mm. to have uh, wireless uh, in-plant 5G I don't know when the last time you were in a plant and some of these are pretty secure, you know, there's a lot of concrete, there's a lot of steel. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, there are a lot of still a lot of hard wire on the floor because you just have to basically have the fiber go to, to a lot of workstations. with 5g, you can actually get around a lot of that and you can set up, you know, points inside of a plant operations where the technology can, can move freely without being impacted by, you know, any um, large tooling or devices or masses of people. So um, 5G in terms of creating more of a digital manufacturing footprint is going to be really huge. Um, And there's going to be some significant savings, both in terms of making sure that um, production is, is accurate and consistent and flexible, being able to change. Uh, we, We talk about building at a lot size of one or smaller scale lot sizes, whether that's trim packages or other personalization and vehicles, 5G is going to enable a lot of that, as well as training workers on the floor uh, with high impact um, training videos, augmented reality goggles, um, mm-hmm. or for servicing and building parts. So in my opinion, I think that's where the biggest current area of promise will be for automotive uh, with, when it comes to 5G. 
And that really is an insider view. Thank you, Bill. And never would have guessed that. Um, thank you very much. We have one more prediction, and this is going to be interesting. You predict personally owned vehicle prices will accelerate in 2021. You got to unpack that one for me. Is it scary or is it good news? I don't know. Who are you? Are you a consumer or are you a brand OE? And are you somebody who likes to buy a car like you and me, or do you just want a ride share? Um, you know, again, like so many things, uh, depending who you are and what your worldview is, it, it's going to mean a lot of things. Um, so, you know, automotive companies, let's face it, you know, they had a tough year. They had a good summer, mostly in North America and, and, and across Europe, the primary markets in, in the West. Um, you know, but, uh, let's face it, you know, when people are out of work, any incentive is too expensive, right? You know, if I'm giving you free money for six or seven years and, and you still have to make a payment, any payment is too much if I don't have a job. Well, we're, we're coming out of that and uh, we do see some good uh, renewed demand, um, but there are some big macro trends that are going to drive to that. So there are some inflationary pressures um, so there are some commodity prices that are expected to rise over the coming year. Um, and, 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 and oil really doesn't play into this. Yes, it's going to be a factor from a use perspective. But I'm talking about like things like aluminum and, and resins and, you know, the material that goes into making whatever vehicle it is, rubber, right, for, for wheels and or for tires. So, um and I think also, too, there's going to be pressure on the margins of uh, large brand OEs to, to make money, right? You know, they, they were able to explain last year, people weren't working, demand was off, they were able to provide incentives, they were able to mm -hmm. get back, preserve market share. But next year, they're going to have to show profit. And, and unfortunately, this is really going to further separate a number of the brands um, we, we've already talked on this show and elsewhere that there are some brands that are really cash constrained and who have suppliers that are cash constrained and, and have basically sourced all their liquidity options. There's going to be some very large mergers in 2021, not just at the supplier level, but probably at the top brand OE level. There are just some brands that probably aren't going to make it. And largely because of liquidity, but also because they're just not going to be able to pull margins out of their vehicles. So good news for brands, um, not so great news for consumers, but don't forget, you get all those yummy goodies that go into the new cars like 5G and the new apps and all the passenger experiences and shiatsu massage chairs and all that stuff. <laughs> you know, I mean, somebody has to pay for that. That that don't come free. So um that's the good news. So, you know, you are paying for a much more elegant uh, concierge based driver owner experience, but it does come with a price tag and we'll start to see that in the back end of 2021. Thank you very much, Bill. Very, very interesting. I always appreciate I'm, I'm re remembering somebody, Bill, who started with me in 2016, I think it was, uh, 2015, Larry, late Larry Stoley at SAP who started the series, The Future of Cars with Game Changers. And I'll never forget Larry saying, and this was when autonomous vehicles were what a gleam at that point, Bill, we didn't have a lot of the tests. They were, they were on the, on the blueprints, but they weren't really close yet. And Larry used to say the day is coming when people will just be cargo. Yep. And, and you were describing how companies are pivoting and being agile and nimble and, and mobile businesses because of the use of 
automotive and what I'm calling auto space vehicles and participants able to take it literally on the road. So overall, Bill, are we we more on the side of hope? Are we more on the side of caution overview? Just quickly, what's your overview for automotive and mobility in general for 2021? Are we going to, one year from now, when you and I meet, I'm predicting when Bill Newman and I meet at the end of 2021, God willing, are we going to say it was a very good year? It was a better year or eh, not quite. What do you think? Well, it's certainly going to be a better year and it has the promise to be a great year. I mean, 2021 is going to be the year we all hope 2020 was, was going to be. Um, we came into, don't forget, we came into the year with a lot of enthusiasm, a lot of optimism. <laughs> we had some economic headwinds, but you know, the old saying goes, you never realize you're on top until you're not. And we really were, and we had a lot of optimism and then, you know, just got completely blindsided by, you know, a global uh, health situation. Uh, we, I really do think that 2021 has the promise to be a great year. Um, 2020 has given, you know, I live in Michigan most of the year currently. And uh, when we get a big snowstorm, everything just kind of slows down. You, you kind of hunker inside, you put some cocoa on and uh, you or some tea and you just kind of like reflect. I think we've had a lot of time doing work from home and kind of having this extended period of reflection once we've gotten through some of the anxieties. I think there are some very clear and interesting directions that automotive companies are going to take, not just in terms of car makers, but how the dealer retail distributor side is going to look like, how we service the vehicles. Um, and everybody's getting very creative about how they capture that part of the market. So from that perspective, I think 2021 could has the potential to be a really great year. I like that very much. Bill Newman, North America Executive Industry Advisor, parentheses chief. Are you the chief industry advisor or are you the industry advisor chief at SAP? I don't know. It's just, it's just words. You know, my, 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 my <laughs> Mrs. Newman wants to know if I dress up in an Indian suit when I show up for meetings, you know, do my, do my headdress or. Piece oh, chief, chief. Customers. I got it. I got it, chief. Yeah. Bill Newman, it's always a pleasure. I wish you when you're as a happy, healthy, safe, and I'm going to say it. I always say, it's sane holiday season, and we'll see you in the next reality in 2021. Bill, join me in saying thank you to Adam Slayman, April Buford, Julie Freem at OESA for a wonderful year in 2020 of starting this series called The Automotive Insiders. It's been great meeting so many interesting people in automotive and hearing all of the insider information. So Bonnie D. Graham signing off. Have a good one. Bye-bye. <laughs> Thanks again for tuning in to Automotive Insiders, presented by OESA. Listen at your convenience to industry thought leaders as they discuss the ever-evolving industry and how companies can thrive in the new mobility landscape. All episodes are on demand on the Voice America Business Channel and at OESA.org. Automotive Insider is presented by the Original Equipment Suppliers Association.